That song really touched my heart. I, I get the privilege of always hearing the, the soloist before everybody else because I come early on Sunday to do different things here at the church with the cups and so forth. And I was sitting there listening to Jenny's song today and tears were coming to my eyes that I couldn't believe because of how it goes along with the message. And yesterday I was ready to prepare my message. I had a whole different topic already prepared and I had done the church and I went home and I did my workout and all of a sudden the Lord burdened me with a totally different topic and I go, Lord, I haven't been studying that topic. I haven't been thinking about that topic and it just amazed me. And then when I heard Jenny sing that song, it brought tears to my heart because the subject this morning is submission to God. And that's exactly what that song was saying. If it satisfies you, Lord, whatever your will is for me, let me submit myself to you and let it satisfy me too. So may the Lord encourage our hearts this morning. We pray that it will be a challenging message to us and also an encouraging message. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that you're alive and working in our lives today. We thank you, Lord, that things don't happen by coincidence. We thank you that your spirit is working among us and you know exactly what you want us to hear this morning. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will bring it forth in, in power and unction this morning. Please hide me behind the cross, Lord. I am just your servant and I just want to be a blessing. And I just pray, Lord, that you will guide everything that is said today, that it will be for your glory. And they will be your words, Lord. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. You know, the subject of submission is something that we begin learning very early in life from a young age of little children. Little children have to learn to be submissive to their parents. And it's a difficult lesson to learn. And some of us, we can say, are still learning this lesson today. We're still learning to submit. It's never easy because, you know, we have this sinful old nature still with us that does not want to become subservient to God's will in our lives. And it's only the Holy Spirit working through our spirit that we can yield ourselves to the Lord and submit to him and let him have his way in our lives. You know, it's all a matter of the will. God's will versus our will. And it's a daily clash of those wills. And for those who are in the flesh, Submission is a very scary word. You know, when they have wedding ceremonies today, we as Christians, we have still in the vows the submission that the wife says that she will submit herself to her husband. The world doesn't have that anymore. They've taken it out. Just like they've taken unto God out of the pledge, well, they're gonna, they've taken submission out of the wedding vows and the ceremony. And so many people are afraid of the word submission, especially when it comes to God. Because if I submit my life to God, what is He going to make me do? Is He going to send me to some far-off mission field in Africa where I eat some bugs and, and things? I know, Barbara, you were in Africa for a long time and some of the things they gave you to eat were not easy to, to take. But whatever God's will is, it's always the best for us because He never puts us through things like that. He has us yield to Him and He gives us the best life and the best joy in our lives. I always like to look at a, what a word means in the dictionary. I don't have the old one like Bill has, but the new Webster's New World Dictionary defines the word submit as to yield to the action, power, control, etc. of another or others, to defer to another's judgment or decision, to be submissive, obedient, humble. That's in the Webster's Dictionary. Isn't that a beautiful definition? 
when you really summarize it, submission involves yielding. It involves deferring to others. It involves humbling ourselves and it involves obeying. And if we do those things, we will be in submission to God and we'll be in submission to others that he has placed over us in different capacities as well. Our text today is very simple. Four words from James chapter 4. You don't need to turn to it, but James chapter 4, verse 7a. Just the first part of that verse. Therefore, submit to God. Simple, to the point, practical. Therefore, submit to God. And our outline is, I think, equally simple this morning, but may it challenge our hearts. We're to submit. We're submitting to God as our Father. We're submitting to God as our teacher. We're submitting to God as our boss. I love that one. Submitting to God as counselor. Submitting to God as king. And submitting to God as our beloved. May the Lord encourage our hearts today. An English poet by the name of William Wadsworth, maybe familiar to some, wrote a poem about a little bird. And this little bird was from Norway, and this little bird was carried away by a severe wind. And that wind was blowing it and blowing it and blowing it, and the little bird didn't know what it was going to do. It kept struggling and struggling against the wind because it was afraid that that wind was going to take it to somewhere bad and it was going to die. And the bird just kept trying and trying, and finally, exhausted, it yielded to the wind, and instead of being carried to destruction, it found it was carried to the warm areas of England and ended up in the green meadows and forests in that land. And I thought about that. And I thought about how many times I'm like that little bird, struggling, struggling against the wind, trying to get my own way, trying to do things the way I want to do them, trying to fulfill my own plans and desires, and then finally just being exhausted with it. And then I say, Lord, I surrender all. I give it to you. I yield myself to you. And just like that little bird, we find once we relax and let the wind of God's Spirit carry us, He carries us to just the right place. Just to the most perfect place He wants you in your life. He wants me in my life. A place that is so precious and peaceful and perfect. Well, let's look at our first point today, submitting to God as Father. This message is going to be kind of a little journey. Think of yourself as a child and then as you grow up, getting older and older and learning submission at the, to God in these different areas of life. You know, when you're young, as a child, you have to submit to your parents. How many have heard of that expression, the terrible twos? Okay, okay. some of our, our parents now have children in the terrible twos. It's scary to think of it. You know, if you were a parent and you were starting off, could we just skip those terrible twos and maybe just move from one to, to three, right? Or a one to five. Just skip those years. But no, those are formative years that they especially need love and they need discipline and they need training. And that's the way we are when we get saved too. God knows we need that same training. and He knows that we need to submit ourselves to Him as we grow up in the Christian life. But you know, kids, you don't have to teach them to say no. You have to teach them to say yes to say please and to say thank you and to submit to what the parents want them to do. It's so amazing. And then you see a child that's throwing a tantrum and you just say, this is terrible. In the store, in the Costco, wherever you are, and you see that child throwing a tantrum, think about this. We're children of God and sometimes we throw tantrums too. 
We don't get down on the floor necessarily and cry and beat our hands against the, the floor and get all upset and cause a commotion. But in God's sight, He's our Father. He wants us to yield to Him. And sometimes we throw spiritual tantrums. We want our way, Lord. Or if somebody we're dealing with somebody that we have a little conflict with and we say our way is right and we're not going to give up until we convince them that our way is right. And so what end up happening is you win the argument and lose your friend or lose, lose that person because you damaged them. The Lord wants us to have a submissive spirit first to him and then to others and to submit to him as our heavenly father. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says this, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You know, when our heavenly father looks down upon us, he doesn't look down at us in condemnation. He doesn't try to impose himself on us. He looks through eyes of love and he says, there's Dean down there. There's Mike down there. There's Greg down there. And I love them. They're dust. And look what I've done with the dust. I've filled them with the spirit and they're now walking Christians. And he loves us so very much. Paul says that God is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He's our heavenly father. And you know what's great about it is our Heavenly Father, when we yield to Him, we can know this, that He knows the future all the way down to the end of the line. And we don't. We don't know the future at all. And it's a blessing if we just put everything into His hands and trust in Him. Secondly, it's not important only to, to submit to God as our Father, but to submit to Him also as our teacher. You know, one of the big experiences you have in life as a child is the first day of school. Think about that. You probably can't remember it. I don't think I can remember the first day of school, but it is a traumatic day. Your mom or your dad drives you to school and drops you off. Where are you going, mom? Where are you going, dad? You're going to leave me here with all these strange people. And then you walk into the class and you meet the kids. And after the trauma has kind of settled down, you realize there's a new person in your life. You don't just have father and mother anymore or brother and sister. You've got a new person, a teacher. And all of a sudden, that teacher is so special to you. And I see... Shauna's smiling back there because she's a school teacher and she has all these kids that look up to her and love her and, and it's really amazing. And the very first thing you learn as a student in school is you better listen to the teacher. You better submit to that teacher or what's going to happen? Your name's going to be on the board. You're going to get a detention or you're going to get your name sent home in a note to your parents. There's all kinds of bad things that happen when you don't submit to your teacher. And I thought about that and how it is in the Christian life for us as Christians. The Lord is our teacher and he has so much to teach us and we have so much to learn. But so many times in life we get so busy wanting to do our own thing that we don't take time to sit in the presence of the Lord and let him teach us or let a godly, mature brother or sister teach us. And I thought about how hard it is for us to learn when we do all the talking. How many times have you tried to teach somebody something and they just won't shut up? And you say to them, if you would just let me say something here, I have some things I could show you, but because they're doing all the talking, can't teach them. You can also not teach a person who has all the answers. And this is what's so typical of teenagers today and what teenagers go through, but watch how we apply it in the Christian life too. But the teenager, you can't teach them because they already know it all. They know more than their parents, more than their teachers, more than their counselors, more than anybody. Teenagers have all the answers. Maybe we should put a teenager in the White House because they know all the answers. 
But sadly to say, we as Christians sometimes feel like that too. We have all the answers. We don't need counsel. We don't need teaching. We don't need anything. I've got it all. I know it all. And then what happens just like a little kid, we fall down and skin our knee and then we found out we didn't know it all after all. Wow, if I had just listened, if I had just learned, I could have saved myself all kinds of trauma, all kinds of problems. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I will guide you with my eye. That reminds me of like a mother. Like I can just see Emily with little TJ and Ariana by her side and she's walking through the store and she's guiding them with her eye. All she has to do is look at TJ and he knows he's wrong and he knows he better get in line. And if he doesn't, there's consequences to pay. You know, the Lord guides us with his eye, with his eye upon us. All he has to do is look at me and say, Dean, and I know what I... He doesn't even have to say anything. Just look at me and I'm already convicted I'm doing something wrong. So may the Lord encourage us to be good listeners, to be good learners, to be humble. And when God has put a teacher over you, whether it's the Lord teaching you or anyone else, humble yourself and learn from them. You can learn so much from them. You really, really can. When I think back to the people I've learned the most from in my life, I have to put Adel in there. I have to put Bill McDonald in there. I have to put Gene Gibson in there and many others. But these men really taught me a lot about God's Word. And not only about God's Word, but how to apply it, how to practice it, how to live it in your life, which is the key to it being a good listener. So it's important for us to submit to God as our Father and to submit to Him as our teacher. The third one is submitting to God as boss. One of the things that Vince loves to call Adel, he calls him boss, right? That's your favorite title for Adel. And Adel's many things to us. He's our friend, our counselor, our pastor, our teacher, our elder, but he's also, Vince says, the boss. And when you think about it, this is the next, next big experience in your life. You know, you've grown up, left the home, went to school. Now you got a job. Now you don't have summer vacation off anymore. Now you've got to go to work from eight to five and pay your dues in society, right? And we've all had bosses. I think that's the thing that we can all relate to in our life. We've all had a boss. And I related this to three types of bosses you can have. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I thought about that yesterday as I was preparing the message. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We've all had good ones. We've all had bad ones, and fortunately, hopefully, we have not had very many ugly ones, but sometimes we can have it. But you know what I've found in my life? I've had many bosses, and a lot of them have been hard to get along with, harsh, difficult, but I found if I duck under them and submit myself to them and do exactly what they ask me to do, I don't have a problem. Now, if I don't listen and I say, but I think we should do it this way, I think we should change this, and I think we should just revamp the whole thing, doesn't work. Doesn't work. And that's the same way it is with the Lord in our lives. When we yield to him as the boss, he's just that. He's Lord. He's boss. He wants us to say, yes, Lord, and submit to him. When we don't, there's consequences to pay for us in our lives. It's so true. I really like what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.18. We're writing to the believers. He says this, Servants, or we can call them employees, be submissive to your masters or employers with all fear, 
Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. And that's really amazing. He says, not only to the good and gentle ones. We all love good and gentle bosses that stroke us, give us positive reinforcement, encourage us, let us always have the time off and this type of thing. But sometimes we get those bosses that are harsh and strict and demanding and they don't give you the resources you need to do your job. And when you ever need a time off, it's like pulling teeth to get it. We all have things like that. But when we have a yielded spirit, a submissive spirit, a humble spirit, even that harsh boss is going to be under control. Because the Bible says that when we live this way for the Lord and obey him, even our enemies will be at peace with us. So it is a blessing. But God is the boss of our life. I thought about our study in Genesis and how we studied about Jacob. Remember, Jacob had a will. He had a strong will. He had a strong plan of his own. Remember when the angel of the Lord came and wrestled? They wrestled. And just Jacob wrestled with the Lord. He didn't want to yield until finally the Lord reached out and touched the hip and put it out of, out of joint. And Jacob went off limping, but happier than he was before because he finally surrendered to the Lord's will. A man named Richard Baxter, who was a famous Puritan author, said this on his deathbed. He said, Lord, what thou wilt, where thou wilt, when thou wilt. And I thought that was so true. When we have a surrendered spirit, we just put it this way. Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want, whatever you want me to do. And that's the way the Lord wants us to yield our lives to him and just surrender to him. And he's given us his word to be the guide. But the Lord is the boss. But so many times our ego gets in the way, our pride gets in the way, and we don't want to humble ourselves before anyone. That's why if you give a person a choice, what will they want to do? They'll want to be self-employed. How many people do you know who, you know why they want to be self-employed? Big number one reason, they don't want to yield to authority. So if you don't want to have a boss, what do you do? You start your own business. So who's the boss? You're the boss. But believe me, if you, even if you're in that situation, you're going to have to have a boss. You're going to have to answer to somebody. And the Lord is the boss to answer to. And he's always the most kind, the most loving, the most patient with us. And then our fourth point this morning is submitting to God as counselor. You know, the Bible says he's wonderful counselor. And the Lord has many things to counsel us with from his word. And he wants to, to show us many things. It's amazing, though, in the world, even for non-Christians, how many People spend money on counseling today. You can go for legal counseling to a, to a lawyer, get legal counsel. Or you can go to a marital counselor for marriage counseling. You can go to mental health counselors. Thank God we don't need those. We have the Lord. Or you can go to many different types of counselors, but thank God for the godly counselors, for the spiritual counselors that we have, particularly Adel and Sylvia. They have counseled so many people. They have taken people under their wing and counseled them and given them the right direction and the right way to go. And then guess what? The person has to make the choice. Are they going to follow that counsel or are they going to go their own way? It's amazing. Uh, Gene Gibson, I mentioned him. He was a counselor of the word of God who took a kind of a strict approach. And Bill remembers, remembers Gene Gibson. Well, he used to have people come to his office for counseling. So you'd go up to his office and you had to walk up these stairs. And that was kind of, I guess, scary for people right there. You walk up these stairs into the high part of the church to Gene Gibson's office. And you go in there 
And he used to tell us a story about how people would come back for counseling next week after he gave them the counseling. And so he says, brothers, he says, they'd come into my office and, I, and they would have the same problem as they had before and they didn't do what I told them to do before. So I'd say, did you do it? And they said, no. He says, well, go back and do what I told you to do the first time. You know, and sometimes people are like that. They get impatient with counseling. Thank God that we have merciful counselors, that if you come back for counseling the second week for the same problem, the third week for the same problem, the fourth week the same problem, you're still going to get love, you're still going to get mercy, and you're going to get the right counsel. Adel and Sylvia are not going to say, sorry, I mean, we gave you the word and you didn't do it. They're not going to do that. Thank God for that. And you know what? God has given us an instruction manual for counseling from him, and that's God's word, the Bible. And we can thank him for that. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We're living in very dark days today. And the reason why is because people are further and further away from the Bible than they ever were before. I mean, you could go down the street and you could ask people about things in the Bible and they would not know it. They would not know about Christ. They would not know about the word because the generations are getting further and further away from the scriptures. I like what Henry Ward Beecher said. He lived back in the 1800s. He says, the Bible is God's chart for you to steer by, to keep you from the bottom of the sea and to show you where the harbor is and how to reach it without running on rocks or bars. And I thought about, isn't that true? We're like a sailboat and we're sailing along. We don't know all the dangers of the sea, but the captain does. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the captain. And when we submit to the captain, he will make everything good and pleasant for us. Remember when the disciples were in the boat and they were just so scared and the, the sea was raging and all kinds of things. They thought they were going to die. And the Lord was sleeping down in the bottom part of the boat on the pillow. And they go, Master, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And the Lord probably, probably just said, Guys, don't you know I can just change all this in a second. But he didn't. He didn't put them down or anything. He just said to the sea and the waves, hush, be still. And it was calm. And they realized, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's the boss. He's the captain. He's the captain of the universe, the captain of the sea, the captain of our ship. You know, it reminds me too of that story of the Titanic. Byron loves the story of the Titanic. He knows more about history of the Titanic than just about anybody else. But when you watch these stories, you watch the captain. And that captain was a very proud captain. And remember when they started sailing off from England in that Titanic, they called it what? The unsinkable ship. Oh boy, would you want to take a journey on that? That's a ship of pride right there. When you say this ship cannot be sunk, guess what? God took that personally. I mean, they ran into an iceberg that just totally destroyed the ship. And it's amazing because word would come through the radio that there were icebergs and they better, you know, take some precautions and all that. The captain did not heed the warnings. And God's word is a book of warnings to us. And we have to take heed to them because you cannot turn your back on them. You cannot shut your eyes to them and keep going down your own word road or you're going to crash. And we've all been there, done that. And it's not pleasant. May the Lord help us not to have to crash before we take heed to God's truth and his word. He's our counselor and he wants to show us what to do. But we have to, again, listen to him and listen to the godly counsel. Number five is to submit to God 
as king. You know, every citizen of the United States has to submit to the president, to the government, to the constitution, to the laws of our land. If you don't, again, there are consequences to pay. But it is God's will for us even to pay taxes. Do you know that? None of us like to pay taxes, but it says in the book of Romans that that is God's will for us to even pay taxes, to submit ourselves to our, our government. It's, it's a very important thing to do. Two times in my life, I didn't. And I'm not proud of those two times, but I got speeding tickets. Speeding tickets. One in the city of Danville on a rainy day going 44 miles an hour. I still remember it to this day. The other time I was driving to San Francisco, I had just got a new car and I don't know what happened to me, but I was driving that car fast. I wanted to see how fast that car would go. Well, I saw how fast it went, all right, and I saw a little man with a cherry on the top of his car that it stopped me, gave me a ticket. But you would think, wouldn't you, after the first time I got a ticket that I would have learned? No, I didn't because I didn't get the message. And sometimes people don't get the message. And if you don't get the message, more consequences will happen. Sometimes the Lord will allow things in your life to get your attention. It didn't get your attention. So he has to bring something more severe, more consequential into our lives. But, you know, we can't pick and choose which laws we want to obey, can we? Wouldn't it be amazing if we said, well, I don't feel like obeying the speed law today. Or I don't feel like obeying the whatever law it is today. Well, what would the police officer say after he puts the handcuffs on you? He said, well, well, why did you do this? Well, I didn't feel like doing it today. Well, let's see if you feel like going into the jail today. So he puts you into the, into the jail. So, too, we can't say to the Lord that I pick and choose what commandments I want to obey from the Lord. We can't do it. We have to obey it all. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all in our lives. We can't just say, well, I'm 99%. I obey the Lord 99%. I submit to him 99%. Not enough. He wants 100%. He knows it's for our good as well as for his glory. And there's no room for us to rationalize. There's no room for us to make excuses. You know, that's really bad. I would... I, I was thinking about this just this week. I did something wrong. I didn't mean to, but I just thought about it. It doesn't do you any good to make excuses or rationalize or say why this happened. Just admit I was wrong. Why is that so hard for us? It's that pride again that comes in. We don't want to submit. We don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to admit that we did anything wrong. So we say, but Lord, when he asks us to do something. He's, he's the king. He's the king of kings. And Lord of Lords. And we're only as truly free as when we submit ourselves to him as, as, our, as bond slaves of Christ. One man put it this way. He said, make me captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword and I shall conqueror be. I sink in life's alarms when by myself I stand. Imprison me within thine arms and strong shall be my hand. And I just really thought about that. The more we just surrender to the Lord and submit to him, the stronger we become. The more victorious and successful we become. Yes, when we die to self and let Christ reign, we're the happiest we can be. But when we're struggling like that little bird, struggling, 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 we're not going to get anywhere. We're going to only be harming ourselves. But when we yield to the Lord, he will take the full control. And then finally, our last point today is submitting to God as beloved. And this is one of my favorites. I've been recently reading through the Old Testament. I was reading the other day, Song of Solomon. 
Not too many people read the Song of Solomon, but there's so many lessons in it about Christ being the bridegroom and about us being, as the church, the bride of Christ. And I was really blessed by that very much because the Shulamite woman, what she said is to her beloved, she says, my beloved is mine and I am his. Christ is our beloved. He is our heavenly bridegroom and he's prepared a place for us in heaven and he's got it all ready to go and they're all ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. The only thing missing right now is us. He's waiting to take us up at the rapture or, if, or when we, we're ready to go, we go up to be with the Lord and the marriage supper of the Lamb will start. And that's going to be a great thing. But when you think about submission, submitting to Christ as beloved, think about that. The Apostle Paul, when writing that familiar portion to the husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, has a lot to say about Christ and the church. And he says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's what Christ did for us. He looked at a bunch of people like us, sinners, and he loved us so much. And he says, I am going to make those people into the bride of Christ. That is a transformation. That is truly a great and wonderful thing. And right now, he says, you're without blemish. You're without spot or without wrinkle. I don't see any flaws in you because I see you through the eyes of love and through the eyes of Christ. What a blessing to know the tenderness and love and affection that our heavenly bridegroom has for us. He loves us. And yet so many times we flirt with the things of this world. We flirt with the world instead of saying, nope, I'm going to keep myself pure and holy for my beloved because he's coming. Yes, the, the Shulamite woman says, behold, the bridegroom is coming, skipping on the mountains, coming on the hills, and she couldn't wait for her, her bridegroom to come. And we should be like that too. I can't wait for Jesus to come. He's my heavenly bridegroom and I'm going to be his bride and I'm going to be with him forever and ever. The hymn writer says, and we don't oftentimes sing this song, but Emmanuel's land, it's a beautiful song. It says, the bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my king of grace, not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The Lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. It's so true. You know, when two people get married, husband and wife, I love to go to weddings. I've been to so many over the years. And I love the look that the husband, the new husband, the man, has for that bride up there. The bride is already, uh, she's coming down the aisle and he's already there and he looks up and he sees her. And he sees her coming down the aisle. She's mine. I love her. She's my bride. We're going to spend our lives together. I can't wait. There's that joy and that anticipation. The bride eyes not her garment. She doesn't care about her garments. She doesn't care about the guests. She doesn't care about the gifts. Although those things are all important, she cares about the bridegroom. And she wants to see him and be with him. And that's the way it is with our Lord. We have that love for him. And when we get to heaven, the crown, at the crown he giveth, great, but cast it at his feet. We're not going to care about the crowns. We're not going to care about all those things. We're going to care about Christ and Christ alone because he's our beloved. 
He's our bridegroom. And we're going to spend eternity with him. In conclusion, let us just remember this morning that God has called us to a life of submission to him and also to others that he has placed over us. It's never going to be easy for this sinful flesh. We're going to have to deal with it every day of our lives. And if we yield to the Lord and submit to him, it'll always be the best for us. And we should therefore submit to God as our father, as our teacher, as our boss, as our counselor, as our king, and as our beloved. And if we do that, we will have success in our Christian lives. Our lives will be filled with joy and we'll be longing for his coming. This world will no longer have the pull and attraction that it does right now if we have that submissive spirit. And may the Lord help us to have that spirit. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never experienced that relationship with Him as a father, or as a counselor, as a boss, as a beloved, like all these things that we're talking about, today can be the day. If you give your life to Christ and accept Him as your Lord and Savior and you say, Lord, You died for me on the cross. And you took my sin upon yourself. And now I yield my life to you, Lord. And I say, take my life, Lord. Put my life in order. Save me. He'll do that for you today. And if you come to Christ today and accept him as your Lord and Savior, you will go on your way and you will only want to submit to him and give him everything. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the challenge of this message today. It's simple. It's practical. It challenges our hearts. Lord, help us to submit to you. Lord, our will sometimes is so strong. We want our own way so bad, and yet we don't realize that if we get our own way, Lord, we will miss out on the best of life because we'll miss out on your way. Lord, help us to have a submissive spirit to you, Lord, and to the others that you have placed over us in our lives. Lord, we know that if we have a problem with authority, it's going to manifest itself in a negative way in our lives. And we just pray that we won't have that problem with authority, Lord, but we will accept your authority over us and the authority that you've given others with us. Lord, help us to be humble. Help us to be submissive, to be surrendered to you that we can say with the hymn writer, I surrender all. We just ask your blessing on the remainder of this day now and thank you, Lord, in your precious and worthy name.